features a parental praise of wisdom in the form of teachings of wisdom. In other words, the the chapter sets out the rest of the book of Proverbs about wisdom. And that's how I think moms teach grace. I think that's how dads and how we pass this on to others is through the wisdom that comes from the Lord, the wisdom of Scripture that we pass it on. You'll see, if you've read much in the Proverbs, you'll see a lot of what we might call a familial language, a language about the family, the role of a dad and mom, uh, wisdom personified. It's like the, it's like the, the writer is, is thinking about wisdom. If, if wisdom was a person, and then he describes a her. She would be this way. She is this way. Uh, So you see a lot of that throughout the Proverbs. Um, So in our passage in in chapter 6, but here in chapter 1 that we just looked at, uh, the father's instruction this and the mother's teaching. This word for teaching is the Hebrew word Torah. You might be familiar with the word Torah. Torah is the name of the first five books of the Bible. The Torah, the the five books of the law of Moses. Torah means law. So how it's used in this specific case with a person, it's translated teaching. So you're teaching the law. Uh, Hold on to that, he says. Parents in Jewish homes taught their children God's laws. That's one of the beauties of of we today looking at the Old Testament Scriptures in addition to the New, and we see the Jewish traditions. We see how they as a people valued the home, valued the community uh, involvement with their home, the teaching that the parents gave their kids uh, in the home. So they would teach them Torah, the law, Torah. So you would see the the consistency of this teaching um, uh, throughout throughout the Jewish community. You'll often see uh, the physical placement of biblical virtues. He says here, it's like a garland. Uh, A garland would be like a crown on their head of of maybe flowers or something, that an image of identity, uh, something that denotes something different. Put this as a, as a crown, as something to be proud of. This, is, this identifies who you are. Uh, a, a thing on your neck, a pendant for your neck, close to your heart. Uh, I see this, this speaks to the value of who you are. And so the wisdom that comes is how we hold on to the teachings that we've received. So honestly, gang, whether you're from a Christian home where you were taught much as a child, or this is somewhat new to you, and you're the one teaching your children in the next generation, the instruction from Solomon, the instruction in Scripture, is that we take the truths of the gospel of Christ, and we let them overwhelm us in our lives, we apply it, and then we teach that. We live that out. We say the words to our children. We bless them with this. Continuing this brief survey in Proverbs chapter 3, he says in verse 1, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you see this language that he keeps referring to. Let this be you. Not something that you memorized so you can recite. Let this become who you are. In verse 1, again, that familial language, that language of Solomon writing to literally his son, figuratively to, to us as the, as the readers, uh, listening. He speaks, you know, he says the negative, don't forget this, but also the positive, hold on to this, keep this, to heed what is being taught. 
And then in verse 2, he says, if these instructions are a part of your inner life, there's going to be some benefits. There's wisdom here. You're going you're gonna to live. <laughs> the foolish one who ignores these things is the one who finds themselves in trouble. Um, longevity, this promise is not about a date. It's not about how many years. It's about the fact that I live because of God's kindness and grace in my life. This is a sign of God's blessing out of Exodus chapter 20. And the prosperity, that word for peace and prosperity, this is the Hebrew word shalom. And shalom is not simply peace. Uh, shalom, uh, the Hebrew term, speaks of a broader meaning of, of wholeness and health and, and prosperity. So shalom, when, they, when the, the Jewish people greet each other, it's not just, hey, peace, bro. It's more of a, man, may God's richest blessings give you wholeness and fullness. And, and Solomon writes, that's one of the benefits when you hold on to these teachings. When you listen to God's word and let it, let it affect you. And then in verse 3, uh, love, this is the word has said, this loyalty to one's covenant or commitment. Um, let love and faithfulness never leave you. The grace of God in your life that changed you. The grace of Christ, as I've said so many times, is not simply a ticket so I can get into heaven. That's awesome. But it's also a way that changes my life now. And that's kind of been the theme of our series on grace. Grace changes how I live now, how I engage with others, how I deal with the trials and the conflicts, how I see the gospel played out in my own life. Uh, so you see in this, in this teaching that Solomon's bringing out these truths of, of hold on to these, of these, of the teachings and the doctrines and the, and the commandments. Wear them around your neck. Put them on your head. Make physical markings. Let people know this. I think these teachings resonate with what Solomon grew up with. Think about this. He grew up knowing what we call the Shema. Remember that term? Shema. This is a teaching out of Deuteronomy 6. And in Deuteronomy 6, the word Shema is the Hebrew word for hear. That's simply all it means. And that's because in the teaching of Deuteronomy 6, uh, God says to the people, verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. I want you to say that verse. Let's go back to 4. Let's all read this together. Because this would be the tradition within the, within the Hebrew people, the Jewish community, of reciting these couple of verses. So I want us as a congregation, let's read verse 4 together with a little bit of umph. Okay, give me something here. Here we go. Hear, O Israel... This is the Shema. This was the teaching. This is something every one of your children would know that. Not just to earn points or whatever the motivation to memorize, which are good, but to know it in their heart. The Lord, the Lord, our God, He is one. This is powerful teaching. Verse 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words I command you today shall be on your what? On your heart, same language that Solomon talks about. Verse 7, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise. If the, if the children heeded their parents' teaching, they were promised like this, this garland, this, this sense of identity. I know who I am because I've been grounded in who God is. I understand God, and I understand He is our God. He loves us. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. 
What a beautiful passage. Listen, everyone. Just imagine saying that every day to your family. Hey, everybody, stop what you're doing. Listen. Put the, put the phone down for a second. Listen. The Lord, Yahweh. That, that word Yahweh is that personal covenant name, remember? So we say Jesus in a very personal way. Jesus, God's son, died on the cross for my sin, took my place. In a very, it's very personal. The Jewish people would, would call God's covenant name Yahweh because God told the people, I am your God, using this, nerm, this term Yahweh. And he says, Yahweh, the Lord, he is our God. We as a people, we're blessed to know him. And he is one. He's not one of many. They're teaching the children, when you walk out the door and go into your community, and you go to those places where people don't know God, you don't have to, be, you don't have to hold back and be full of fear. You don't have to wonder, I wonder how our God is going to stand up to their God. I wonder how they'll see and hear us as we engage with our God because of their gods. Can we just fast forward a few thousand years and say that's a problem right now today? Christians are holding back thinking, you know, I've got a relationship with God, but that world is big and ugly and vicious and and they don't love me. They don't respect us. They're not filling up our seats. And we sometimes have the they and us feel about our God versus all of that. The Lord our God is one. There is no other. There is no other God, amen? So you teach your children this. You affirm this to them. Um, you help them understand it. The Lord, Yahweh, our God, personal, it's covenant. It's based on, and a covenant is based on the one giving it. This is based on God, by the way. This is not based on you. This isn't based on me and how well I do. The Lord our God is one, and, and he's, I know him because I did good things last week, and I, I read my Bible every day, and I felt good about life. And, but then, you know, after that, it kind of got weird, and I feel kind of cold and indifferent. No, he's still our God. The covenant is on his shoulders. I simply step into it and receive what he's done for me. So I don't have to, like, look at my life and say, well, it's been a rough week. I hope God still loves me. No, it's not what covenant is about. God has chosen us. He's called us. We're his. We're his children because of Jesus and what he did for us. Uh, they taught the children that they were to love God. They were to love God with all that they had. And love God was a big deal. We are to love. It wasn't like an automatic, the Lord our God is one, and we should love him. You know, make efforts to love God. Do some, look for ways. It doesn't say that, does it? it it's very clear. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. This is the part that has to be taught. Why? Because there's always, there's always competition for the things in my life that demand my attention. There's a lot of other things that I could love. I could love myself. I could love entertainment. I could love a bunch of things around me that are material or temporary. And we have to be taught, wait, wait a second. Put your head above the crowd and look over there and say, hey, there's God. He loves me. He's got a life for me. I want to love him. They taught their children, you shall love the Lord your God. So parents, don't leave it up to the kids to decide if you're going to church today, okay? Come on. Don't leave it up to the kids. Thanks, yeah. Don't leave it up to the kids to say, hey, should we do this? No, you're the parent. You're the one with the big boy pants and the big boy dress on. You, big girl dress. Let's edit that like right now. It's a different world, man. You can't say that. Stop it right now. We are the ones. We teach. We instruct. Guide the way. When the kid refuses, bring them. You know these testimonies of, yeah, I was dragged to church as a kid, and 
So what? You dragged a lot of places. You dragged to the doctor's office, weren't you? So drag them if you need to, but get to the point to where, yeah, this is what we do and why, and it's valuable. Teach your kids to know God. Teach your kids to love God. Make it important. They are watching you whether you understand it or not, whether they say it or not. They're watching your testimony. They're watching us as adults. You may not have kids in the church. You may be past that stage or didn't have that stage. Kids are watching us. Teach them to know God. Teach them to love God. You shall uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart. He says it's a, this is something we teach. I love the idea that what you get from the Shema is they were understanding this is who we are. The person, the child that grows up in that home, the family that recites this and lives this, they're not walking outside wondering who they are. They're not saying, I don't know what to do with all this, man. No, they know who they are. They know who God is. He is our God. He loves us. We love him. We have ways that we get to demonstrate that and show that and live that out. We love him with all that we have. This is who we are. I think the church, what a beautiful message to to make clear. We know who we are in Christ. Not because of our good deeds. Paul tells us in a bunch of ways throughout the book of Romans, this isn't about me and my good stuff. It never has been, never can be. This is always about Jesus, the covenant keeper, the covenant maker. When he died on the cross in my place, he did that because of his love for me. So of course I get to love him in return. I'm different because of Jesus. He is the covenant keeper. Uh, This is who I am because of Christ in me. That's the the message of grace uh, that we're emphasizing these weeks. They taught that the law, and and of course the Torah for them was the Bible as they had it. When it says, and when it says that they would, would go over the, the Torah, that would be the only Bible they knew. They didn't have the rest of the New Testament or, or the Old Testament or any of the New Testament. So today we have the completed Scripture. So we get to teach our, our children the Scriptures. We get to teach each other the Scriptures. That's why we have small groups. That's why we do what we do here is to en- engage with what God is telling us from cover to cover, knowing that these truths of Scripture are important to us. By the way, quick plug, teach your kids to memorize Scripture. You know the best way to do that, parents? Yeah, you got to memorize it with them. Let's memorize a verse today. We encourage our children's ministry to do that. I encourage you, have your kids memorize Scripture. Uh, If you need some help with which ones, ask other parents. I'll give you some. Uh, Find some verses. Get the Word of God in their heart because it's in their head and in their heart. It stays with them. How many of you memorized verses as a little kid? How many of you could probably remember those if you were encouraged a little bit? Absolutely. It's as a child. It's in your mind. So they taught them the Word of God, all of it. And they knew it. And they would, that, that established their identity. This is who we are. So in the context of, of our passage, uh, in Proverbs chapter 6, King Solomon is perhaps speaking specifically of the teachings. When he says, teach them, remember your mother's teaching, remember the, the commandments that your dad has given you. What's interesting, and, and I won't spend a lot of time on this, but throughout the book of Proverbs, there are a lot of key themes. 
Clearly, wisdom is a theme. Uh, In the notes that are available online, I've given you a list of the key themes throughout the book of Proverbs. That could be what Solomon is referring to in Proverbs 6 when he says, hold on to the teachings of your mom. Listen to the wisdom, not just of her and her life experience. That's super valuable. But listen to the scripture, the teaching of Proverbs. Uh, Here's a few. There's a long list. I'll just give you a few. I mentioned wisdom, righteousness, uh, life, knowledge, orderliness, success, self-control, faithfulness, obedience, integrity, justice, truth, honor. That's not even a third. All these themes that come out as you study the Proverbs, Solomon could have been talking about that. He could have said, when you hold on to your mother's teachings and you let these be close to your heart, this is what that is. So back in Deuteronomy 6, where we were, he says again in verse 6, he said, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. What the world doesn't need is Christians that only have talk. We need to talk, don't not talk, but don't make that your only game. Bring to the table a heart that has been infused with the Spirit of Christ because of what Christ has done for us. You command these things, they shall be in your heart. Verse 7 we read, teach them diligently to your children. Diligently, by the way. This isn't easy. It's not like, yeah, we did that verse that one time, so you guys got that, right? No, you, you work at it. Keep teaching. Stay at it. Uh, what I love about the Shema is it, it implied more than just the formal learning of education. Education is great, and you learn whether you're, you know, whatever school you go to or homeschool, how you do that. That's awesome. But the Shema kind of implies that this is in the home. This is ongoing. This is as a family, we're talking about this situation, and we bring in the Scripture. This is as a family, we're thinking about someone. You know, We mentioned this morning some a man who died this, this week. You get to talk to your kids about that. You get to bring out, what, is, what does Jesus tell us about life and death? And, and it was like an ongoing conversation is the flavor you get from the Shema. Verse 8, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So the commands to tie them and write them were taken literally by, by Jewish people uh, with the phylacteries and the, and the thing they put on the door, they touch as they walk in. And we've been to Israel a few, and, and you see these everywhere. And uh, in Jewish hotels, you see this on this, the door. Uh, so it was like they was taken literally, but it's also believed that that's probably emphasizing a symbolic need for all of us for the continual teaching of Scripture. So, so whether you have the, the thing on your wall, you have the flag, you know, whatever you have, just know that God is saying to us, man, keep this going. Keep this going. Don't forget the small things. Don't forget that one verse. Don't forget the simple things, the things you learned a while. Keep it going. For some of you, you need to be reminded today, it's okay to back up a little bit and say, yeah, I remember some of those simple truths that we haven't really talked about lately. And then talk about them. Keep it when you walk in your way, uh, when you lie down. He encourages us. So in our text, we, uh, again in verse 20, uh, this survey that we just looked at from the Shema and the teaching of Proverbs, he says, my son, keep your father's commandment. Forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart when? Say it again. Yeah. Bind it on your heart always. Not just on the Lord's day. Not just on, you know, good days. Bind this on your heart, always. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you, right? 
Because I know where I'm going. I'm confident with where I'm headed. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. We all probably have those anxious nights, sleeplessness, uh, something you remember that you said three weeks ago and it haunts you in the middle of the night. That's why that person hates me. You know, we have these things in our minds. And when you lie down at peace with the Lord's word in your heart, uh, they, w- the Lord watches over us. And when you wake, they'll talk with you. God's word guides us, speaks to us. These teachings that moms say, that we need to say to each other and to our children. You compare, in the notes I mentioned, you can see how verse 22 compares to what was said in Deuteronomy 6, the the moving forward. This goes forward. You don't just go to church, hear a message, oh, that's, that's nice, let's get back to life. No, that message, the Word of God, guides our life, goes with us. So God in His kindness gives us a peek, just a quick peek into a New Testament saint who lived this passage. We get to see this played out just a little bit. A young man who was mentored by Paul, but he was influenced by his mom and his grandma. You guys remember, right? This is Timothy. Paul says to Timothy in in the second letter, which is the last book, the last letter that Paul wrote, he writes to a young man that he had been mentoring, a young man that he had invested his life into. And he says in verse 3, I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Timothy, I have nothing but good, fond memories of you. Verse 4, as I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I want to be that kind of person. I hope you do too. That when someone thinks of you, it's like, I want to see them again. Man, this was good. That's how Timothy was thought of by Paul. Verse 5, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. This gives us a quick peek in the New Testament era of this teaching from the Shema through the book of Proverbs. Timothy, I, I see it. I see it in you. When I hang with you, when when we talk, when I notice the things you say, I hear your grandma's voice. Remember remember Grandma Lois and how she taught you the word? Man, I'm sensing you got that. And your own mom, Eunice, as as she taught you the scriptures. Timothy, you're living that out. You're living out the teachings of the Shema. You've held this close to your heart. And more than just a Hebrew teaching raised as a child, uh, uh, Paul says to Timothy, I believe this faith is in you as well. This is your faith. Somewhere along the line, Timothy made this his faith. Not just a, a teaching that I grew up with as a child, though that's good, but now the culmination of that teaching The culmination of the Shema, the Lord our God is one, that Lord our God is one came to the person of Jesus Christ and went to the cross on my my behalf. Timothy, you got that, don't you? You made this yours. He says, I am sure, I am confident, Timothy, that that faith, that faith of knowing that one God is yours. You've made it your faith because of what Christ did for you on the cross. For this reason, I remind you, young Timothy, to fan into flame the gift of God. Grace, community, church, please hear this phrase. What God has done for you, whether it's through the teaching of your mom growing up, whether it's through you, how you came to Christ most recently, the redemptive work of God plays out in our lives in a life of grace that Paul says to Timothy, fan into flame the gift 
of God. You know that picture. You clearly see that picture. You're at the campfire and it's about to go out or you've got the fire pit in the backyard and it's about to go out and, and the embers are there and there's, there's hot coals but there's no flame. What do you do? You blow on it. You get a piece of cardboard. You do this and what happens? <laughs> Would to God that the people of God today would fan into flame the gift that God has given us through his grace and through his kindness. Not to outperform others, not to impress anyone, but to say, God, you have gifted me so that other people can know these teachings. So that the the Shema that the Hebrew people taught their children, the gospel that comes through Jesus Christ, would be quick and clear on my lips for other people to know the goodness of God. Fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. I love verse 7. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. I love this. Paul says, Timothy, when I think of you, I'm reminded. That's, that's storytelling right there. When you start by saying, yeah, I'm reminded. I got my friend Paul visiting me this week, and a dear friend for many years. And when we get together, we're reminded of each other. We're reminded of our past. We're reminded of the, of the, of the highs and the lows. And, and, and Paul says of, of Timothy, man, I, just, I think of your faith, man. I saw it in your grandma. Your grandma taught you that stuff. Your mom's faith, and you've made this year. So, Timothy, get that piece of cardboard out. Let's get, let's get fired up. T- time is short. We don't know how much we have. We, we don't know what tomorrow holds. We're living life full throttle right now. Many of you are in it to win it, and you're, you're getting after it, and that's awesome. Go sit by a bedside of a Bobby who, who had a lot of hard years. He finished well these last few years in the faithfulness to God, but it's, it's time to go see Jesus. We don't know when our time is, so I implore you, I ask you, Grace Community, know the gospel. Teach your children, not just the, the Shema or the Proverbs and the wisdom of Proverbs, teach them Jesus, teach them the gospel, teach them that we are redeemed, not just one time so we get to go to heaven, that's amazing, but we're redeemed throughout our life of the sanctifying grace that we talked about last week. God is drawing me to himself. He's calling me to live a life that's responsive to his goodness and his kindness for all of us. Fan into flame. Get it going. The gift of God, the calling, the purpose, why you're here. What's that thing God has for you? Many of you may not even know it. Ask them. Ask people in your life, hey, what do you think God wants me to do? I double dog dare you to ask someone that this week. That's awesome. What do you think God wants me to do? Come, come ask me. I got, some, I got some time for you. My calendar's open. What do you think God wants me to do? I'll help you with that. Let's talk about what God wants us to do. He wants us to fan into flame the gift he's given us to let people know about his great, great grace. Moms, we thank you. Moms, we love you. We thank you that we have a day we get to say, moms, thank you, and we honor your, your good work. And yeah, we've made fun of a lot of things you say or don't say, but at the end of the day, you get to teach grace. And would us all as a community of faith teach the message of grace to a world that needs to hear the goodness of the gospel of Christ. Let me pray for us. After I pray, we'll have another song of worship and then I'll come back and we want to give some fun things away. Lord, we're, we're thankful today for your word. God, we're thankful for the, for the gift of grace that's changed our lives. And, and Lord, I know on any given Sunday in this room or watching online, watching throughout the week. There might be someone who's like, you know, I hear this, but I'm not quite sure that I get it. 
Maybe they're like a Timothy who, who's heard it from grandma or mom, but they've never made it theirs. It's not their faith yet like it is with Timothy. God, I pray that even today that the Spirit's calling them to, 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 to yourself, Lord, that we can help with that. Uh, they can talk with someone they came with or see one of us afterwards. Lord, the gospel that is so clear of your kindness to us is a gospel that needs to come out in our teaching and our passing on this great faith. We love you and we thank you for this gift. In Jesus' name, amen.